If you have a Bible this morning, turn with me to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 28, and then leave a mark there. And then flip over to the book of Isaiah in chapter 14. And then after you leave a mark there, I want you to go to Ephesians in chapter 6. And so we want to continue in our series, Know Your Enemy. This is part 5. And so we have been looking at our series concerning Christians. Do we know our enemy? To the believer and to the follower of Jesus Christ, we must know and understand our enemy. Who is our enemy? Obviously we know that it's Lucifer, but he goes by many names. He is also called Satan, the dragon, Beelzebub, the serpent, the devil himself. And he has a third of the angels that followed him. And that's the demonic world, the helpers, if you may. And we know that in Revelation chapter 12, there was a great battle with Michael and with Lucifer, and he was kicked out of heaven. And the Bible calls him a dragon there, and he took his tail and he took a third of the stars with him. And we see the effects even today. These angelic beings that have fallen from the grace of God. One of the things that we mentioned is that he's also called the destroyer. In Exodus chapter 12 verse 23, uh, he destroyed the firstborn of Egypt. And we know that was a time of Passover. In John chapter 10 verse 10, the thief has come uh, but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. You need to know this, church. If you're a believer in Christ Jesus, the enemy does not like you. The enemy has lost a customer. Uh, the enemy wants you back. And I'm overwhelmed many times by the celebrities in our United States of America. They're well paid. They live great and and they have multiple marriages. They're all, they are a mess. And we look at our sports world today. There's so many that are making millions, and yet they're not happy. And we're constantly hearing about them, uh, you know, uh, abusing their wives or their mistresses or their girlfriends and such. And uh, I've told you in time past, I, I pray for Tiger Woods and something that God's placed in my heart for uh, many, many times over. The enemy gives these people what they want. Yes, they have talents, they have gifts and such, but do they ever thank the Lord? And yet we see Michael Jackson, a wasted life. Janis Joplin back in the 60s, a wasted life. And the list goes on. My brother uh, was a Jimi Hendrix freak, you know? And, uh, you know, I remember all those songs and such, and I wasn't into that, but look at the wasted life. Look at the things that Lucifer does. And Kurt Cobain that a lot of kids uh, immortalize, basically. And look how he died. And so the enemy is in a mission to search and destroy. So now, in the last several teachings, we've been looking at Ezekiel 28, and then looking at Isaiah chapter 14, we want to know our enemy. Now when we study Ezekiel 28, because I've already gone over it, I'm going to read through it. But we see the lamentation for the king of Tyre. We know historically, and we know biblically, that there were kings of Tyre. But when you look at the language, when you look at the writing in Ezekiel chapter 28, you come to one conclusion that he is speaking of Lucifer. And then in Isaiah 14, obviously the fall of Lucifer. And don't forget what we've studied in the last two weeks uh, concerning King Nebuchadnezzar. What was his downfall? It was pride. When you look at Lucifer, what was his downfall? It is pride. I want you to look at yourself as I've looked at myself many times over. What takes me down? What takes you down? It's your pride. And the enemy gets in there with pride and he just works it and he works it. Don't listen to Pastor Bob. Don't listen to the Word of God. Don't listen to the preacher. You're okay. I'm okay. 
Just keep doing what you're doing. Just keep coming to church. Keep, uh, you know, calling everybody Christian. Hi, brother. Hi, sister. I'm telling you the truth. Because <laughs> coming to church doesn't make you a Christian. You must be born again of the Holy Spirit. And so the enemy is out there to search and destroy. And he hates you. And he hates me. And he'll do everything in his power to take you down. He'll keep you from coming to church. He'll keep you from reading the scripture. He'll keep you from prayer. He'll get you and your wife in arguments. Little things. He'll get you mad at your teacher. He'll get you mad at the, you know, the postman. He comes by and because he gives you the wrong letter. Or he didn't give you the letter you were waiting for. Gives you all the bills, right? And so you take it out on him. Hey, last time you came, you threw everything on the floor. That's the enemy. Be careful. Be careful. And so know your enemy. Let's go through Ezekiel 28 real quick. Again, the word of the Lord came to me saying, and this is Ezekiel, the son of man, take up a lamentation over the king of Tyre and say to him, thus saith the Lord God, you had the seal of perfection full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Why lament? Because he was God's creation. God created him for a purpose, for a reason. And it hurt the Lord to see that he faltered and that he failed. Look at verse 13. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the ruby, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the jasper, the laspis, uh, the lazul, uh, the turquoise, and the emerald. And then the gold that speaks about his workmanship. By the way, I'm reading this time out of the NASB. And so a little bit of difference here. The workmanship of your settings and your sockets, and we know that spoke of the uh, instruments, the cymbals and the flutes, was in you. On that day you were created. They were prepared for you. He had a purpose. He had a reason. I believe he was in charge of the worship uh, in heaven. I believe he was an archangel as Michael and Gabriel. Gabriel being the, uh, the messenger and Michael the combatant. Was Lucifer in charge of the music? It sure looks uh, as we read the scriptures. Notice verse 14. You were the anointed cherub who covers, speaking of his wings of the angel, and I placed you there. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked in the midst of the stones of fire. The devil had authority. Lucifer had cloud. He had position in heaven. You were blameless in all your ways from the day you were created. Listen to this. Until unrighteousness was found in you. That's Isaiah 14. That's the pride of Lucifer. I can do that. I don't need God. I'm better than him. And he was kicked out of heaven. Look at verse 16 now. By the abundance of your trade, and we estimated the translation, your merchandising, you were internally filled with violence and you sinned. Therefore, I have cast you as a profane uh, from the mountain of God. He says, and I have destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. God judged him. We read that in Isaiah chapter 14, but then when you study Revelation chapter 12, there was a great battle with Michael and with Lucifer, and we know that he was defeated, and then he took, he was the dragon, and he took his tail, and he took a third of the stars with him. Verse 17 through 19 now, your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted uh, your wisdom by reason of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I put you before kings that they may see who you are. His sin was exposed eventually. And when you see the day will come, you see Satan himself. He was nothing. By the multitude of your iniquities and the unrighteousness of your trade, you profaned your sanctuaries. Therefore, I have brought Fire from the midst of you. It has consumed you. And I have turned you to ashes on the earth in the eyes of all to see. We know that he was defeated at the cross at Calvary 2,000 years ago. We know he was defeated the moment he was kicked out of heaven. We know that he was cast into hell. 
we know that the third of the angels followed him. You see, hell was never created for mankind, but hell was created for the fallen angel. We know that he has access now uh, to everybody and the worlds and the nations and, and just all peoples in general. We know that one day he will be cast back into the fire. He will be held there for a time. And then after the 1,000 year reign of Christ uh, in Israel, he will be let loose for a season. It's unbelievable, but he will test the nations again. And then he will be eventually judged. It's the great white throne judgment in Revelation chapter 20, and he will be cast into the lake of fire. And with everybody else uh, that's in hell, it's called the second death. Understand these things. That's his domain. But in the meantime, he's on a mission to search and destroy. He is called the accuser of the brethren. Verse 19, all who know you among the peoples are appalled at you. You have become terrified, and I will, and you will be no more. He chose sin. He had a free will just as we do. And he fell. And his doom has already happened. I like what one old preacher said. He just doesn't know it. But one day, he will be cast into the lake of fire. Now, go over to Isaiah chapter 14. The fall of Lucifer. And what was his sin? Pride. What is our sin? Pride. What was King Nebuchadnezzar's sin? Pride. What was Adam and Eve's sin? Pride. Pride is what takes us down. And we studied Proverbs 16, 18. Uh, pride comes before destruction. Pride comes before destruction. And pride says to, to you, and pride says to me, you're okay. We're okay. We're all okay. So you're fornicating a little bit. You're committing adultery a little bit. So you're stealing a little bit. So you're smoking a little dope. So you're drinking too much. And you know, fill in the sin. I'm not that bad. I'm good. I'm a good person. I like what one old preacher said. How many good people are in hell today? And would love a second chance. And how many chances did we have here on earth? And so let's look at Lucifer's pride now. In Isaiah 14, look at verse 12. How are you fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, son of the dawn? You have been cut down to the earth, and you have weakened the nations. And look at third world countries today. Look at some of the third world countries, uh, the people that are in refugee camps. Look at Syria today. Look at Damascus today. Look what's going on around us. I mean, even parts of Mexico. Even parts of our United States of America. We're so accustomed to get up in the morning. We turn on the water. We're able to go to the bathroom. Some of you don't even remember or know outhouses. I happened to. Uh, Mary's grandmother had an outhouse. I was shocked. This was the 60s. Come on. I says, where's the bathroom? Outside. I says, outside? Yeah, it's that box. Whoa, it even had the, uh, the little moon. I says, what is going, is this the southwest? Is this six-gun time, you know? <laughs> it's happening. It's happening. We forget our grandparents, great-grandparents. We're so blessed in the United States of America, church. We have everything. Even if you're on welfare, you're still... Blessed. Think about that. And so many people complain and mourn. Well, look what he's destroyed. He's not finished yet. In verse 13, we, we begin to study the famous five I wills of Lucifer. But you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will rise my throne above the stars of God. He would be better than the angels. I will sit on the mount of the assembly in the recesses of the north. Now, I've been studying this further on my own. Barnes uh, notes, Albert Barnes, I love him. He's an old theologian back in the 1700s, 1800s. He says, the north of Zion is Mount Moriah, which is Calvary. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. 
He's going to do exactly, or He did exactly, as what the Antichrist is going to do in Revelation chapter 13 and 14. Nevertheless, you will be thrust down to Sheol, to Hades, to hell, in the recesses of the pit. Lucifer and the third of the angels that were cast to hell will eventually go into the lake of fire, according to Revelation chapter 20. Those who see you, listen to this, will gaze at you. They will ponder over you, saying, Is this the man who made the earth to tremble? Is this the man who shook the kingdom? Again, look at third world countries. Look at the history of mankind. Has he caused the earth to tremble? Has he shook the kingdom? He is called the destroyer. I mean, look at the wars and the battles. Look at the things that have happened. Things that were built in the time of the Old Testament. Uh, where, where is mighty Babylon today? Where are the great edifices that, that were created and such? Now there's a lot that's preserved. And what is ISIS doing today? Destroying these beautiful relics and such. And that's one of the things I love when we go to Israel. We see, we see the ancient stuff. And we go to the ancient places. And to be there in that place where you, uh, Jesus could have walked right there. And it's such a blessing. But he's destroyed so much. He's destroying our United States of America. Listen, from within. Look at verse 17. Who made the world like a wilderness and overthrew through its cities and did not allow his prisoners to go home. Jesus came to set the captives free. Lucifer has come to bind the captive. Lucifer has come to tie you up and to cast you into the fiery pit. Go back to Genesis in chapter 3. Who duped, you know, Adam and Eve? Who did Eve listen to? The, the serpent was upright. And she dialogued back and forth to him. Your eyes will be open. They were. He didn't say not to touch it. I mean, the enemy gives you half lies and half truth. Let's go to verse 18. Now all the kings of the nations lie in glory, each in his own tomb. But you have been cast out of your tomb like a rejected branch, clothed with the slain, who are pierced with a sword, who go down uh, to the stones of the pit like a trampled uh, corpse. There's no burial for Lucifer. Listen as we continue. You will not be reunited with them in burial. Because you have ruined your country. You have slain your people. He has offsprings. May the offsprings of evildoers not be mentioned forever. Verse 21, the conclusion. Prepare for his sons a place of slaughter because of the iniquity of their fathers. They must not rise and take possession of the earth and fill the face of the world with its cities. He has family. He has descendants. I was told years ago, and you have all heard it, and some of you don't understand it. Either we serve God or we serve the devil. But as the old songs tell you, you're going to serve somebody. Now, I didn't like that when it was told to me. I'm not that bad of a person. I don't serve the devil. Yes, you do. You either serve God or you serve Satan. You're either going to hell or you're going to heaven. You're either good or you're evil. You're either born again or you're not. That's what the scriptures teach. You can do all the sacraments. You can do all the promises. But have you come to saving grace? Have you been to the cross at Calvary? And that's the key today. And so we've been looking at this beautiful series, Know Your Enemy. And this morning it's part five. And so I want to look at Ephesians now. Because Paul's coming to the conclusion of his letter uh, to the church at Ephesus. And he warns them concerning spiritual warfare. I need to give you some background so you know uh, about the church at Ephesus. St. Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. He's writing from prison. Uh, this is the first of four prison epistles. Paul wrote uh, in a Roman prison. He was there for about two years. 
He wrote to the church at Ephesus. He wrote to the church at Philippi. And then he wrote to the church at Colossae. And then he wrote to an individual called Philemon. Excellent book if you've never read it and studied it. Paul not only wrote uh, to the church at Ephesus, but according to Colossians chapter 4, verse 16, there's another letter to the church at Laodicea. Now, plus, besides that, other letters or epistles that Paul penned. Now, Paul is given the, the credit of writing 13 epistles. And we see them in the New Testament. But I also believe, I'm in the camp, that he wrote the book of Hebrews. And there are those that say no. And I say, well, that's up to you. But I look at the Pauline epistles, I look at the style, I look at the writing, and, and I see the, the book of Hebrews. And if you think that Paul didn't write it, well, praise the Lord. When we get to heaven, we'll ask him. Maybe I am wrong. I don't know. But what about this book of the Laodiceans? What about it? We don't have it. Pastor Bob, it's not in here. We need to find it. If he wrote a letter to the Laodiceans, we need to find it. Why? If it's not in canon, if it's not scripture, God had a reason. We have 66 books. Isn't it interesting? We always, the critics are good. Well, what about that book? What about the other letter to the Corinthians? What about the second book to Isaiah? What about all these things? I, I, I study these. But what about the 66 books? You know what they're looking for? Looking for loopholes. Ah, maybe the Laodiceans, Paul wrote, hey, drink all you want. Fornicate all you want. Commit adultery all you want. That's what they're looking for. I told you the story. I read it and I started laughing because I'm a WC fan, uh, WC Fields fan back in the day. And they caught him going through the Bible. He was kind of flipping through the Bible. And somebody said, WC Fields, what are you doing? They knew who he was. He was an evil man. You're looking, going through the Bible. He says, I'm looking for loopholes. And that's true. You want to find a reason for your sin, whatever it is. And because it's not in the 66 books, it's got to be in one of these lost books. It's got to be something hidden. It's got to be a mystery. What about what we already have? And so let me give you a little more background on the church at Ephesus. It was a thriving church. Ephesus was a huge metropolitan city, and that day boasting, listen, over 300,000 people. Ephesus was a major seaport in the province of Asia Minor uh, there in Rome, but Pergamos was the capital of Asia Minor in the day, even though Ephesus was a lot larger city. Ephesus was known for its major theater that sat easily uh, 25,000 people, a great wonder even to this day. Ephesus contained a main thoroughfare of some 105 feet wide, and it ran from the theater to the harbor, and each end of which stood an impressive uh, gate as an entrance. And so when you saw this edifice, it just took you away. The thoroughfare was flanked, on each side by rows of columns, listen, 15 of them, uh, 50 foot deep. Behind these columns were bathhouses and gymnasiums and many impressive buildings. Perhaps the most significant of the significant reason for the prominence of, of Ephesus was the religious background. The Temple of Artemis. The temple of Artemis was her Greek name, or Diana, her Roman name. According uh, to the theologians, there was a grand temple in Ephesus. It ranked as one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Diana was a twin sister of Apollo and daughter of Zeus. Artemis was known uh, as the moon goddess, the goddess of hunting, and the patroness of young girls. Now listen to this. The temple at Ephesus hosted a multiple-breasted image of Artemis. I've seen pictures of that. Very gross when you look at it, you know. 
She was reputed to have come directly from Zeus. Now when you study, excuse me, the book of Acts in chapter 19, the temple of Artemis or the temple of Diana. Paul went to Ephesus. And as Paul always does, he preached and he preached hard. He caused a riot condition there. They were chanting in the theater. And they said the chanting went on for uh, two hours. The grand edifice stood out like, like a sore thumb. But the chanting, Diana of Ephesus, Diana of Ephesus, the disciples held Paul back. And they said, Paul, don't go in there. They're going to kill you. They had already beaten up some guys. And Paul didn't go. But Paul preached at Ephesus. You see, the silversmiths were angry. They used to make the amulets. They used to make the portrayals of the temple. And they would sell them. If you've ever gone to New York, and I, I never forget when my wife said, I, I, I have to have a Statue of Liberty. And, you know, they sell all those little trinkets. And so we bought a couple of Statue of Liberty. And what happens when you get home, the old Statue of Liberty falls off the floor, and there's the head. It's gone. And so then I glue it back, and I glue it backwards. Oh, my gosh, you know. <laughs> my amulet is backwards. Ah, by that time, you know, you use Gorilla Glue it all it doesn't move after you put it in. That's another story. Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. He encouraged them. He encouraged them greatly. Paul's purpose was to encourage them in spiritual blessings that we have in and through Christ Jesus. Paul reminds the church at Ephesus, God has done for them in Christ. Also to promote, listen to this, unity in the body of Christ. In Psalm 133, behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And that's one of the things I love, I love about our church. I see our church unified when it comes to serving God. It's unified to do the things of the Lord. And so... Yesterday, many of you attended the memorial service for Pastor Jay's dad. That was a blessing. And some of you have been here for Klein Park that we do in September. Uh, those are such blessings. Unity in the, in the body of Christ. And then we're going to go, be going to San Carlos Reservation. Uh, there's always a group of people that go with Pastor Jay. And then we give out the Thanksgiving uh, baskets. They've, they've given us a freezer so we're able to store those. Families are already calling us. And a lot of times we get families that want double turkeys. And so they call again. They come back another day. And, and I just look at them, you know. And then we get the phone calls from Pastor Bob, are you guys giving out turkey? Yes, we are. I go, how did you hear about it? Well, we go to this church over here. Well, did you ask them for a turkey? They said, call Calvary Chapel. And I said, Lord, I used to get mad. I don't bring the blessing. You go back and tell your pastor he's not going to get blessed. <laughs> I told him, no, don't believe that. The church at Ephesus, listen to me. They were unified. They were united. They were one in Christ. Paul writes the letter to encourage him. There was a lot of faults. At Ephesus, and Paul made a lot of corrections, but listen to me. In Revelation chapters two and three, the seven churches to the uh, the seven churches of Asia Minor, the first one is Ephesus. And he had this one thing against them. Listen, you guys are going to church, you're doing everything you're supposed to do, uh, but they had become very mechanical. Forty years later, they had lost their first love. Church, be careful that we lose. That first love, which is Christ. Let us not forget where we came from. It, we can become mechanical in our worship. We can become mechanical in our offerings. I just write the check. We can become mechanical in, well, I come to hear the word of God. We can become mechanical because, you know, while we go to, you know, Klein Park every year, 
Now we've been going to San Carlos every year. So, you know, do it because of the love of Christ. Do it because you love Jesus. Do it because His love is what saved you. And, and so be careful that we don't become like the church at Ephesus. They were doing everything right, but they left their first love. But Paul, in concluding the letter to the church at Ephesus, he warns them. And now remember, he has spent two years plus in a Roman prison. He is shackled uh, to a Roman guard. If not, at least they're there and he sees them. They watch him constantly. Uh, we're told in the historical writings that there would be four-hour shifts. I mean, constantly. And then Paul would share with them. Paul would lead many to Christ. We know that. But he got to see the uh, military uniform. And through the years as he was looking, as he was praying, as he was seeking God, he turns it around. And he speaks about putting on the full armor of God. We've all seen pictures. We've all seen movies. We've seen it in the historical writings. Picture uh, the Roman soldier. And so let's get into the study now. Ephesians chapter 6. Look at verse 10 with me. Finally. So he's concluding the letter. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. I can't do it. Neither can you on your strength. I need the strength of the Lord. When I was younger, when you were younger, we could bench press and we would boast about it. Well, how much are you bench pressing today? We, this was in high school, right? And everybody give their numbers. And uh, one day somebody said, I can bench press a Buick. Well, that's how we get. We need the strength of the Lord. We need the strength of the Lord. Mark these down. In Psalm 28, verse 7, the Lord is my strength. In Psalm 43, verse 2, you are the God of my strength. And so the psalmist knew, and that was generally David, he knew that my strength cometh from the Lord. And so verse 11 now, Paul says, put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes or the wiles or the tricks of the devil. You see, the Bible teaches that we take off the garment of flesh. Now we are in Christ Jesus. And so we put on the garment of salvation. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8, 9, and 10, we are saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest a man should boast. We are his workmanship, his poema. We are his handiwork. God created us for a reason, for a purpose. And so we put on salvation. It's called the grace of God. And then to defeat the enemy, we put on the full armor of God. We put on the full armor of God. And those of you that played any kind of sports, especially football and even baseball, you have to put on everything that they give you. God forbid you go out to the gridiron and you don't have your helmet. You're going to know pretty quick. You don't have your shoes. You're going to know pretty quick. And so the importance, look at verse 12 now. For our struggle, and remember I'm reading out of the New American Standard Bible, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. I love the King James. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. We fight not against the tangible in other words, something we can see, something we can touch, something that is flesh and blood. But it's a spiritual battle that we're in, church. Spiritual warfare that we're in against evil rulers, authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits, demonic fallen angels. Again, Revelation chapter 20. I've been in in the ministry long enough to know and to understand. The devil will come at you. The demons will come at you. They have schemes. They have wiles. They have tricks. They have a bag of tricks. They know exactly how to put that carrot before the cart. They know what you like. They know what you see. They know what you, you, you taste. They know. I haven't drank for 36 years. And I tell you what. 
I can smell a beer. You can smell the wine. You know, I didn't do dope. My brother did, but man, that's marijuana. That ain't no oregano. It doesn't leave you. The enemy is good. Girl goes by and there goes your eyes. Be careful. The enemy is in a mission to search and destroy. He's real. But we don't want to believe it. Oh, I'm okay. You Christians are crazy. Well, he's not bothering you. He already has you. Man, when you come to cry. I tell you, I struggle when I'm putting my studies together. I have to have Christian music. I struggle getting ready to come up here. I struggle with this cold the last couple of weeks. You struggle. I know the struggles you're going through. A lot of those are demonic. A lot of those are attacks. I had told you the stories, and I left one out. Got an email from a beautiful Christian sister. We call her Mo. She's in Africa. Mo and her husband, Kenny. And their children have been attacked viciously. Malaria has set in. And now she's wrote another letter because there's a lot of prayer going out. And a lot of binding the enemy in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Pleading the blood of Christ. And the children are doing better. But they're in an area where they're ministering to the Africans and there's definitely a witch doctor there. And the witch doctor does not like them. And he has blatantly said, I have cursed them. Well, don't forget, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. No weapon shall ever prosper if we're in Christ. But that doesn't mean they're not going to attack. And so a lot of prayer, a lot of fasting. We fight not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and rulers of darkness of this world. Therefore, take up the full armor of God that you may be able to resist, listen to this, uh, the evil in the evil day and having done everything uh, to stand firm or firm, excuse me. Again, you're no longer of the world. You're born again of the Holy Spirit. Your weapons are spiritual, not carnal. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able, listen to the word, resist the devil or to oppose him, withstand him, uh, come against him or the schemes or the tricks. Notice we stand firm. We stand secure on the ground of which our foundation is Christ Jesus. We are covered in the precious blood of Christ. The day that we came to saving grace. The Bible teaches us in James chapter 4 verse 7. Submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee. Don't stay there dialoguing as Eve did back in Genesis chapter 3. Come against through prayer, through reading. Sometimes I have to put worship music up loud. Sometimes I, I listen to Messianic worship and I raise it up. In a sense, i got to get the blood going. The enemy's there. Recognize, know your enemy. Let me give you two passages here. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, if you want to flip back real quick. Ephesians 1.13 In Him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. The Holy Spirit is in you and through you. But that doesn't mean the enemy is not going to come against you. Now flip back to Ephesians 4.30 Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The day of redemption is when we go to glory. The day of redemption is when the Lord will say, well done thou good and faithful servant. Enter the glory of the Lord. But in the meantime, the enemy is going to attack. But you are sealed. With the power of God's Holy Spirit. Oh, He can harass you. He can try to uh, whisper in your ear. He's that bad angel that sits on this shoulder 
and the good angel over here, and there's this little battle going on. Uh, go to Romans chapter 7 and read the battle that, that Paul went through. He knew, and he gives it to us. And so we have to understand, put the full armor of God. Look at verse 14 now. Stand firm. Therefore, having girded your loins, that's a King James word, uh, with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Uh, the loins was used in the King James. The word uh, speaks of in the, in the Greek, it could be your hips, could be your midsection, could be the waist. Uh, you gird with a belt to hold in the garment, thus placing the belt of truth on your, on your waist. What do you mean the, the, the belt of truth? Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man gets to the Father but through me. You know, we have the young people today and they don't, they don't, they don't want to put on a belt sometimes. And sometimes those pants are, I, I like that little joke, the lady looks over and the pants are really sagging. And she goes, oh, you lost a lot of weight, huh? <laughs> oh... Anyway, that's another story. You know, I, I'm, I'm sorry, if I don't put a belt on or if I don't have my pants secure, I'll be walking down the block and see you later. I don't think you want that, and I don't. Stand firm. Notice, as he speaks about this area of the garments, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And now put on the breastplate of righteousness. You've seen the, the Roman uniform. That breastplate that sits there, it's to cover the vital area of the chest, protecting the heart from where the arrows of sin will come your way. And I'll tell you what, he'll hit you with pride. He'll hit you with lying. He'll hit you with uh, stealing. Just, just, just take it, don't worry about it. They have plenty. My mom, bless her heart, you know, she would go to the clinic to see my sister, my sister worked at the clinic there in California in the L.A. Basin. And I started to catch a cold back in California. And my mom comes out with all these drugs. And they're all legitimate drugs. Take this, mijo, take this. I go, Mom, they're little packages. Oh, I get them at your sister's clinic. I go, Mom, that's stealing. No, it's not. They have plenty. <laughs> they have plenty. She did the same thing at the village inn. I go, Mom. You're not supposed to take the, the little smuckers, Mom. Oh, they got plenty, mijo. Uh, bless her heart, you know. So we took her to Luby's over here. Remember Luby's? She didn't know that they charged by whatever you put. She loaded up her plate. I go, Mom, I got to pay for that. <laughs> oh, they have plenty, mijo. Yeah. <laughs> the enemy will come at you every which way. Look at verse 15. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The covering of your feet in the military is very important. Uh, take care of your feet and your feet will take care of you. Uh, cover your feet in readiness to face the enemy. And then it says, with a firm-footed stability, the promptness, the readiness that is produced by the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. One of the things, when I was studying the Roman uniform, we've all seen the sandals. Kind of looks like a high top to us, uh, but it's not. It's a sandal, but it's a good sandal, and it's very secure, and then the straps that would go up, and these guys were vigilant and, and fighting. Well, when they find these sandals and they look... On the underneath, they got little cleats, and these cleats were important for you know taking taking charge and and balancing all these things. You know, uh, now they have everything's made out of plastic, right? But some of you, when we played ball and we played baseball, our cleats were steel in the bottom, and some of the guys sharpened them up and always slid with their feet up. That's another story. The Romans were very, very clever. And the whole purpose is to get the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we put on the right shoes. 
We walk the distance. We walk through the park, whatever it might be. I want you to listen to the prophecy. Isaiah chapter 52, verse 7. Beautiful. Upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reign. It's a prophecy of Messiah for Israel. The good news is that Jesus died on the cross for you. The good news is that he was buried and he rose again on the third day. Nobody else ever has. And that's been proven over and over and over again. Lee Strobel tried desperately to disprove it. And in trying to disprove it, being a strong lawyer, a good lawyer, he comes to saving grace. And now a lot of his lawyer friends hate him. The gospel, the word of God, will set you free. Listen, as we continue. In addition to all, verse 16, uh, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming missiles of the evil one, besides what was mentioned prior. Here in verse 16 now. Uh, Take the shield of faith. Why? Be sure that your enemy will launch the missiles of flames at you. Listen to the promise. Only through faith in Christ, you will be able to extinguish the flames. The Greek says ignited missiles. Think today of the missiles that are literally falling on Israel daily. I get news reports almost daily from Israel, friends that I know. Daniel Kallick that's been here, he sends me his, his newsletter constantly. Pastor Bob, pray for us. Sammy Samadra that uh, runs Sorel Tours, he's always telling us. Uh, Yuval and his wife uh, Ruth constantly telling us. Because the enemy's out there, the enemy's real. And the, the the missiles are, are not spiritual. They're real. And how God protects them over and over and over. Now, take the helmet, guys. You know this. Of salvation. And the sword of the Spirit. Which is the Word of God. Put on the helmet of grace that we spoke about. And take the sword, which is the, the Word of the Spirit. Which is the Word of God. Please don't go anywhere without your word. Ladies, I hope and pray there's a Bible inside your purse. If not, get a hold of the Gideon Bible. Guys, you should always have the word of God with you. A little Gideon Bible fits perfect in the back, fits fits perfect in your front pocket. Now this morning, I brought my old Bible that I got back in 1986. And it's a, it, it's a Schofield Bible. And I have all my references. I have all my notes from previous teachings and such. And I usually bring the smaller Bible. But this was there and I got, I don't know, I just got turned around and I brought it. And I go, whoa, look at this. See, that was back in the Jesus movement. We bought the biggest Bible you could buy. And we bought those big tunas that you could put around your neck. And so when people would say, did you bring your sword? Yes, sir, I got my sword. I take my Bible wherever I go. I have one in the vehicle. I have one in my purse, and my wife has one. And now with the electronic age, there's no excuse until your battery goes out. Mm -hmm. Turn to John chapter 3. Pastor Bob, my battery's dead. Mine's not. (laughs) That's another story, huh? Take the helmet of salvation, right? Don't leave without God's Word. Don't leave without faith, obviously. How important is God's Word? Take these verses down. Psalm 119, verse 11. Your Word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. I love Jeremiah. Jeremiah 15, 16. Your words were found and I ate them. And your words, uh, your Word was to me a joy of rejoicing in my heart. Jeremiah 20, verse 9, His word was in my heart like a burning fire, shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back, and I could not. 
I could not. And that's why God put me in the ministry. I couldn't hold back. I shared Christ with anybody and everybody. Well, Pastor Bob, that's you. You have the ability. You have the Holy Spirit. God will open doors. I would challenge you. Okay, Lord, Pastor Bob wants me to minister to somebody. I don't want to, but I'm going to be honest with you. I don't, but I'm going to pray. Lord, you want me to share with somebody? Show me. Be sincere with God. He will be sincere with you. And don't be surprised when somebody shows up. You run into somebody. Hey, I know you're going to church, man. I got some problems. Can you help me? Where's Pastor Bob? No, you. You. Where's Chewy when I need him? No, you. Give him the Word of God. It's the same thing as that pastor. Go to Calvary Chapel. They'll they'll give you a turkey. Uh, You should give him a turkey. Uh, You should give him the Word of God also. Last verse here. 1 John, the epistle. 1 John chapter 2, verse 5. Whosoever keeps his word truly... The love of God is perfected in Him. By this we know that we are in Him. Jesus said, you will know them by my love. Jesus said, you will know them by the fruit of the Spirit. What is the first fruit of the Spirit? It's love. Agape love. Love that's always giving and never wanting anything in return. Love is what put Christ on the cross Love is what took him down from the cross. Love is what resurrected him from the grave. Love is what took him back to his domain. And he sits at the right hand of the Father. Now, he's given you the full armor of God and now follows it with prayer. So important. In verse 18, with all prayer, do this, what we just mentioned, putting on the garments and such. Putting on the full armor of God. Now do it with all prayer and petition. Pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with the perseverance and petition for all the saints. Yes, put on the full armor of God. But how can we leave prayer out of the equation? I hope and pray that you have a time of prayer. Get away. Walk. Go in your room. Put the the worship and praise music on, but pray. And the enemy likes to stop your prayers. Pray at all times, on every occasion, and every reason. Pray in the Spirit with all manner of pray, prayer and entreaty uh, to that to that end, and keep alert. And watch with strong purpose and perseverance, interceding in the behalf of all the saints. This is the Amplified Bible. I love the Amplified because it magnifies it. God's consecrated people are called to prayer. Look at verse 19 and 20. We want to come to the conclusion. I love Paul and I will take uh, this portion from him for myself because Paul's with the Lord now. And pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known uh, with boldness the mystery of the gospel. I love Paul's heart. And I will borrow this particular verse from Paul. And so my plea to all the saints at Calvary Chapel, Las Cruces, those listening to the CDs or later, listening to the radio program, Man in the Desert, or those viewing live on live stream, pray for me that I may be always given the boldness in opening the mouth and that God's Word will flow in and through me as I desire to proclaim the mysteries of the Gospel, the good news, the Gospel of Jesus Christ with the power of God's Spirit. Paul Love to be prayed for. Paul loved to be encouraged. The conclusion, for which I am an ambassador, you also are an ambassador. But Paul is in chains. He was in prison at Rome. That in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Many came to saving grace that were under Paul's uh, prison and all that. He didn't stop. They would change the guards. Get him out of there. It's happening with Pastor Saeed right now. 
He's in that Iranian prison and he just keeps sharing with people. They put him in the death row area. And those are coming to Christ. And they thought they were, he would be killed in there. These guys come to Christ, now they're protecting him. Yes, we still want him home, but there's a purpose and a reason. And so Paul's in chains. Pastor Saeed's in chains. Praise God, we're not in chains, or are we? We can be in chains to, to our own sin nature if we don't give it to the Lord. Very important here. Paul was a messenger, an ambassador, a representative of Christ. Paul was in a Roman prison. Pray that I speak forward and I write good, God's word with boldness. No holding back as I am an ambassador, a messenger of Christ. I must do that. What about today in our 21st century? It sure seems that so many churches, listen, preachers and board members are making changes to suit man, to be politically correct. I believe we will start if it has not happened already in some of the Calvary Chapel movements. God gave a vision to Pastor Chuck years ago, back in 1965, small little Calvary Chapel there in Costa Mesa. We were told, we were taught over and over. My pastor, direct pastor, was Pastor Rawl. We were taught to teach the Word of God. Listen to this, book by book. In other words, the 66 books, and that's why we're going through the Old Testament uh, on Wednesday nights and on Sunday mornings, the book of Acts, and we'll get back to that. Chapter by chapter, verse by verse, line upon line. And if anybody else does not teach that, and they come up to this pulpit, you need to speak up. And you need to say, they're not teaching the Word of God. Because the guys that are under me here, they know that's what we do. And they know that's what I love. Teach the Word of God. You can't go wrong. Jeremiah says, when I found the Word, I ate it. The psalmist says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Uh, the enemy is still going to come, church. The enemy is still going to come. And so know your enemy. Know your enemy. Your weapons are not carnal, but they're spiritual. Learn to pray in the Spirit. Learn to pray against the heavenly realm that, that's evil that comes after you. And they do. Wife and husband get into a battle. Mom and dad get into a battle. I mean, child and dad, child and mom. I'm telling you, it's easy to do. How many times I'm starting my study and, and then I, something comes to my mind. I go, Mary, did you do this? Whatever it was. No, I didn't get a chance. So then I get mad. For what? Let it go. Let it go. You do it. Well, she was supposed to throw the trash. How come she didn't throw it? I'm letting you know some of my secrets. Huh? Let's all stand. We'll end with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness, and your grace, and your love, and your mercy. Lord, we do pray for Pastor Cliff, and, and for Pam, and for, for Lydia. They're going through the fire, Lord. We pray for Bill Cocan. Uh, and Francesca, Lord, Bill's going through the fire, Lord. We pray for Jan as she's going through her chemotherapy. Uh, we pray for Jr. as uh, he has those growths that are on the side of his neck. And Lord, uh, he, the doctors need to take care of that, Lord. And Lord, we're waiting for Javier to get results uh, from uh, the CT scan that he took, Lord. And Lord, there's others in the fellowship in the body of Christ, Lord. And the enemy is relentless. He didn't let go of Job in chapters 1 and 2. He's not going to let go of us. And so, Lord, we ask you to bind the enemy, bind the strong man in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Lord, with every eye closed, every head bowed, if there's anybody here this morning, you've never come to Christ. Today is the day of your salvation. Those of you watching on live stream, you never come to Christ. Today is the day of your salvation. Those listening to the CD later, today is the day of your salvation. Those uh, uh, listening on man in the desert, today is the day of your salvation. 
come to saving grace. And if you're in a backslidden condition, you need to come back to your first love, which is Christ. And so, Father, bless those that are going to make commitments or recommitments uh, this morning. Lord, bless uh, the offerings this morning as you've given to us. Uh, we can give back a portion now. We just thank you and praise you, Lord, for everything. And, and Father, I pray for the backslider. Uh, Lord, there are so many that I see it all the time, Lord. And so, Father, we love you, we praise you, and we worship you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.